Holy shit, Raul! Hey. Oh my god. God damn it, we were gonna talk about Star Trek, and then he shows up. Yeah. I mean, I can leave. <laughs> would you? Would you so kindly? <laughs> I can go to sleep right now. <laughs> let, us, let us have our private time. <laughs> Let's do this! Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today's Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. And we're your host, Tonopod, Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, Hello. gentlemen. Oh, correct. And this, dear listener, is Quest 263. How awesome is Valve? Uh, gentlemen, the Steam Deck is arriving. Now, uh, I think all three of us have a pre-order, correct? Yes. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got the middle tier. What'd y'all get? The middle one as well. Middle tier. The 256. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Zach, did you go all in? Yeah, I went all in. Oh, shit. The wisest of the three of us, probably. I liked liked the... uh, They were like, it's going to be premium glass on the whatever. And I'm like, well, I like premium glass. (laughs) I guess you're a glass half premium kind of guy. Well, we just have such weird light in Seattle. Everything glares when it shouldn't, so... (laughs) It's just like, sure. That's okay. when the light pierces the clouds, correct? I guess. Like, <laughs> it's just God rays all the time. I would have expected that to be a problem for Raul in, in Texas down there. Eh. It's always <laughs> sunny. So much sun. You're not in Philadelphia. What, huh? I never actually watched that show. Uh, yeah, so the reviews are all coming in as super solid for the Steam Deck. That It's getting uh, amazing performance, very consistent frame rates. People are saying the screen is not phenomenal but like still rock solid personally i'm totally cool with that um yeah is there anything that's come up in any of the reviews that has caught your attention uh i think the biggest thing is kind of stuff that we've talked about before uh the hardware seems really super solid and yeah where there are gaps they were either intentional trade-offs like with the sort of afterthought of haptics um or they were just you know, things that make a lot more sense in the context of the price point that they're offering this thing at, like the screen resolution, which again, the size of this, the physical size of the screen and the resolution doesn't seem to be a deal breaker for anybody. And it honestly looks great in the reviews that I've seen. But the big thing that people have zeroed in on as sort of a make or break issue are two things, but they're related. The software that runs everything so this is Steam OS, uh, which is Arch Linux reskinned with some extra bits and bobs, and the uh, library running on Proton you know, is a compatibility layer for Windows games uh, for Linux. Uh, does it work? Does it work well? Is it thoughtful? and there have apparently been some people pointing out there are definitely some rough spots. And the software side of the thing feels, I guess sentiment seems to be leaning towards unfinished. Yeah, and that's that's what I've been hearing too. And it kind of makes me a little on the hesitant side, but it's also like, it's um, a lot of the um, reviews that I've seen so far have been like, this is the greatest mess I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, just like very aware, very aware that it's like not perfect, but also very aware that like, this is probably like, like I think someone was describing it as like the biggest innovation in PC gaming in the last twenty years, 
which I mean, I can't think of anything that's been more innovative. So I think they're they're right about that. Well, weirdly, it's not even the first handheld PC. Like there are others out there, and they're called laptops. When, well, yeah, but like <laughs> um, I don't even know the names of these things because I never heard of them. Surface no, Pro. They're like they're even similar form factors <laughs> to the Steam Deck and the uh, the Switch. Like there are other devices out there. Some of them even with similar looking specs. Nvidia Shield. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> PSP, Vita, um, 3DS. No, so it's like it's like Valve isn't the first one to come up with this, but they seem to be the ones that are doing it the best. And so, I think the hardware is great. The price point for these devices, they're half the cost of competi- of competing devices, like similar form factors. Or even um, just of computers that can scale to that level of performance. Sure. So, like, it's an amazing value if it does what they say it does, and it seems like it largely does what they say it does. Yeah, so... So that's um, incredible. You know, I made the joke uh, during the mic check that basically whenever Valve is about to release something, they, you know, drag Gabe kicking and screaming out of his bedroom. They kind of, like, hose him down. They They comb his beard, put on a shirt, and they're like, okay... You're going to do interviews now. And he is just remarkably, amazingly, awesomely, brutally honest in his interviews. And he was specifically saying that, look, whatever you think of the Steam Deck, like, this is an amazing value. Like, you're getting a remarkably powerful PC for the price. You can't get this elsewhere. So at minimum, yes, you're getting hardware. I don't think the dock is here yet, but um, is the dock out? I don't know if there's no. a specific dock, but I mean, it's got USB-C it's, ports no, no, it, all it's over coming. it. So. Yeah. So yeah, you can get video out, but uh, a dock, official dock from Steam is coming. Yeah, and there's at least one company already putting out like um, protective covers for the thing. So oh, like rubberized yeah, <laughs> whatevers. Um, not my bag personally, although I may see this thing and want to protect it. Good to know that there's Correct. at least an option. But uh, yeah, no, the hardware is it's it's largely fantastic and yeah trade-offs the screen resolution isn't it's not the most premium screen but you can compromise that when it's literally that size and the haptics like they said were kind of an after well they didn't say it was kind of an afterthought they said it was explicitly an afterthought so the rumble isn't as uh i guess ground shaking as it could be if they had you know dedicated drivers for all of that and it's largely software controlled which i think they did a real similar thing for the steam controller do you mm-hmm. guys remember that oh yeah, yeah. i still still have one that i take out every now and then yeah i've got one sitting on a shelf over here and like the cool thing about it was the uh the touchpad like <laughs> the touchpad replacement joysticks uh and when you would circle around and and touch on these things it would give you this haptic sort of feedback uh right underneath wherever your finger happened to be um, apparently that was largely software controlled and they really had one driver behind those. So they can do a lot <laughs> with <laughs> software. And I think even from the earliest previews to the newer or more recent reviews, people have said, yeah, the haptics have improved a lot and that is just software updates. So that's impressive to me. So I want to springboard off of talking about the Steam controller. Um, I've probably said this on the podcast before. I don't know. Just tell me to shut up. I have, but steam, uh, sorry, valve has continuously been trying to shake up 
the console market and kind of tear down some of that wall in favor of PCs for a long time. And frankly, all their experiments have just quite not connected with the ball. Big swings, but not quite connected. And the Steam Deck has a chance. So the Steam Controller, the Steam Link, the Big Picture UX, um, the Steam Box, which was truly a failure, all of these things have been building to the deck. Uh, form factor, experience at hardware manufacturing, user experience, trying to uh, run Linux uh, with the Steam boxes to do all this compatibility in games. And the Steam Deck, man, it looks like they are about to connect with the ball. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I think that has always been Valve's goal. They want to sell PC games, and so they want the PC gaming market to take another chunk out of the console market. Do you think this is all of their experiments coming together, and do you think it's going to pay off? Yeah. I mean, in a word, yeah. <laughs> like you said, the um, the experiments that they've t they've conducted, really, with things like Big Picture and the Steam Controller in particular, are really showing up here. And under the hood, the Linux for Gaming push that they've been doing for a decade is finally starting to take shape into something that you might actually get some utility out of. Um, I think the the big, like, sort of missing piece in that was the Proton compatibility layer. And now that that seems to actually be working, it's pretty cool to see. And it's a, it's a natural concept, right? Like, for PC gaming and for software in general, having a platform that runs the bare minimum and is designed specifically for the types of applications that you want to uh, drive and not much else, Linux is a great choice because you can customize it to be optimized for your particular use case. For gaming, it's a lot harder, I think. The wild variations between the resource and system and just device requirements for different games means that you have to be much more flexible than just your very narrowly focused, like almost FPGA sort of uh, application for hardware. You have to have a general purpose computing architecture. And Linux gives you that kind of, but there are a lot more edge cases to cover than if you were just targeting one specific application. Every game is a little bit different. Uh, Proton though, as this compatibility layer seems to be solving a lot of those problems, leaving your uh, your runtime environment functionally as flexible as it needs to be to run a lot of stuff, but only requiring the real basic computing infrastructure that you can get out of Linux without the bloat of other operating system stuff. So that's cool to see. I don't think it's perfect, and I don't think it's going to be for a while, and it's definitely not if you look at things like the compatibility library uh, for the Steam Deck. It's not going to run everything. Well, what is what is your reasonable definition of perfect if not it runs everything? <laughs> I think that, you know, if you're looking at the experience for Windows gaming compared to what you get out of this device, even accounting for similar hardware the compatibility layer is adding something to your stack and that will have performance implications no matter what you do so there's i mean it's kind of a speed of light problem at that point like yes you have more stuff to go through it's going to take longer and whatever that means may manifest as 
latency or input lag or screen tearing or lower frame rates or whatever. So it's not going to be as good as the native experience that the games were designed to run on, but close enough. The part where it's not perfect, I think, is integrating that whole experience in one software package. Uh, and that's where we see stuff like Big Picture Mode coming in. Big Picture Mode was kind of cool, but mostly a novelty. It's like, okay, set up a console in your living room that's running Big Picture Mode, and you can control it with a controller, and cool, but not that useful to a lot of people, but really, really useful in this context. And you see the legacy of Big Picture in the UX for Absolutely. the Steam software running on the device well, outside of the well, games. I think... I think the big like weak point with the big picture mode was you still needed to have the beefy gaming PC to get anything out of it, right? Um, oh yeah. Did y'all did y'all ever get the uh, Steam Link by any chance? Do y'all remember that one? I did, oh, yeah. and it had a hard time running XCOM on my computer, and so I said, "Eh." Yeah, and, and, and yeah. it's the exact same thing. Like like it's it's for me, it's just very interesting that this is the one to take off because I was like so. Uh, game and ready to buy a, what was it like the steam boxes right those were an actual thing right which is basically a steam deck without a like lcd monitor and they're like, like basically it's basically the apple minis right of of gaming devices mm-hmm. and I, I guess it was too early to take off because i if i could make any predictions the success of the steam deck i think that would be a legit reason to revive the um the steam boxes Y'all, y'all I mean, remember the Steam boxes, right? Yeah. yeah. I, so this is one of those classic questions about what is Nintendo going to do next, right? They they merged their portable and their home console markets into one, which is high risk, but it seems to have paid off for this generation. But people ask, like, what is the next thing? Are they going to break them back out again? Um, I don't really know. If Steam, if Steam hits it out of the park with this, would they want to bring back Steam boxes to take that success of that hybrid and kind of take everything they've learned and make it run on the TV. I guess I could see them doing that. Uh, but the question would be how successful is this? And is it the portable form factor that really gets people to nibble? Because if you look at the statistics for the switch, people basically play in one of the two modes. They either play 90% of the time in handheld or 90% of the time on the PC. The concept of being hybrid is really a selling point that isn't actually enticing people. So what is Valve going to see? Could they just want to go back to uh, being the TV and lowering the price factor? I guess, but I think it'd have to be really fucking successful for them to do that. That's my two cents. I think the really compelling thing about the Steam Deck for PC gaming is that it gives developers a really crystal clear minimum hardware target. Yeah. Like... Steam could, or Valve could, just refresh the Steam Deck every, you know, three or four years and, you know, bump up that minimum hardware target. But as long as developers have something to benchmark against when they're building new experiences, even if it's not the, you know, absolute best graphics and most stunning presentation, if it doesn't use all of the resources of your big power gaming rigs as long as it runs acceptably well on the steam deck then you have reached your minimum target and you have a compatibility with a bunch of other hardware targets that is sort of representative in the steam deck so allowing that to be the benchmark for pc games 
is kind of huge because that's one of the hardest things I think about developing games for PC is you have just a huge variety of hardware configurations and capabilities. But isn't, and isn't that the weakness? That's like the Achilles heel because then does it run? What are the settings? What are the that's drivers? what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's the hardest thing to do as a PC game developer versus consoles where you have one hardware target, one thing that you have to get this to run on. And if you have a minimum bar at least, then I think that makes it a lot easier. And and this, by the way, is also a huge challenge with mobile gaming, right? Uh, Running on iOS, very fine number of devices, pretty easy. (laughs) Android, holy shit, absolute pain in the ass. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, with the Steam boxes, at least it would be in this theoretical world where they're revived. At least it would be a more finite list of hardware. But, um, yeah, it'd still be a pain in the ass. But then again, the entire PC market revolves around this today. And so I could totally see uh, a company like, um, oh, shit, who made Cyberpunk? CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Uh, partnering with Valve and going, we are certified on the, the whatever, Steam boxes, that other thing. I mean, mm-hmm. technically they did that with Sony and Microsoft and it didn't quite work out. But I could, yeah. I could see that. Well, it's, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting. And, like, Cyberpunk in particular has an interesting sort of call it development philosophy around it they were pc first and then ported themselves hastily apparently to uh get onto (laughs) consoles but because they were pc first and because they didn't have this like here's our minimum spec that we need to hit they sort of just went the other way and said we're gonna make it as intense as we possibly can we're gonna you know throw all of the features all the graphics all the sound design into this thing and hope that it runs on whatever hardware people have and hope that people have new hardware because <laughs> if not it's going to be a garbage experience and it was like you saw people complaining a lot about the performance on hardware that was not even that old like two three four years uh, out of date maybe or i guess past the the current gen of graphics cards or whatever and that hurt them a lot. And I think that if they had a really clear minimum target from the get-go, and they could have done that. Like, they could have picked specs for a minimum viable runtime environment hardware-wise that they could target and say it has to hit 60 FPS and be playable and responsive and at least look decent on these uh, on this configuration of hardware, but they didn't, and I can totally understand why they didn't because that takes work and research and you know at least some sense of what the market looks like as far as the hardware specs that people actually own. Valve has that information. The Steam Hardware Survey has been <laughs> a thing for two decades. They know what people have and. They could probably share it if you asked, but they are in the form of the Steam Deck. If they put this out there and people say, okay, this is our new minimum viable target for hardware, I I think that's a very good thing for the quality of games that we'll see. If you want to be compatible with Steam Deck, you have to be compatible with Steam Deck. And if you are, that means you're at least compatible with a wider range of not necessarily the brand newest stuff. So I I feel so conflicted with some of that stuff too, because the wild card for me is still streaming gaming. 
Um, I don't know if y'all have been bombarded by ads for Amazon throwing the towel into the streaming gaming market, but they seem to be pushing that pretty hard. And Amazon yeah. just not Amazon. Uh, Netflix just acquired a game studio um, very recently, like the past couple of days, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's like I, I get what you're saying from the perspective of like a hard hardware benchmark, but it almost seems like is 5G the game changer that's going to make it more of a it's a networking problem than a actual hardware on your box problem. Like like where 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 does your computer live? In your hands, in the sky, in your house? <laughs> yeah. Where where's your computer live? Well, there's definitely trade-offs and I don't think that we're going to see a like hegemonistic coalescence of developers picking one direction or the other i think it's going to be case by case and if the game streaming option is well it's got the same problem that any new thing has you need users to generate the interest in people making content for it you need content to get users and it's that circular sort of whatever but it'll it, it, it'll build up steam and like on <laughs> on uh you hope because it's a very cool way to access games or to make games accessible um you still have problems around you know what do you you, people still need some kind of terminal for this and the steam deck is a really attractive looking terminal for that that can also do things locally and i think that's a really good case for it but um yeah if you want to ignore hardware uh like minimum hardware targets, nothing stops you from just making your game a streaming, uh, you know, best streamed from whatever your preferred provider experience is. Um, but if you don't, if that's expensive to set up and maintain, uh, because you have to imagine this is still cloud computing, there's resources that go into this and that costs mm-hmm. money to any studio putting out those kinds of experiences. This isn't going to be like every indie game is now streaming on NVIDIA Shield uh, anytime soon. You can still run stuff locally. And as long as you have that target, (laughs) and I keep coming back to that, it's such a a powerful thing to at least know what your minimum is. Yeah. Um... So um, speaking more broadly about Valve, uh, look... Gabe Newell is fucking amazing. He's absolutely positively brilliant as a software engineer. And he, again, has is hit and miss with uh, some of his business endeavors. But when he hits, he fucking hits. And I love the fact that he owns 50% of Valve still. No one can tell that man what to do. So long as Steam keeps printing money, and it fucking will, he can do whatever he wants and he can invest in whatever he wants and he can be in a, he can run experiments with whatever he wants like vr like portable gaming all this stuff and he's fucking awesome he is the definition of a maverick to me like he just takes these bizarre bets because he owns a huge profitable company and when it works man it is amazing for gamers and the gaming community so go gabe go valve i absolutely adore all the crazy shit that they do what's uh what's y'all's take I bought a Steam Link and a Steam controller, and I'm flat. I'm I'm a little on the fence, but I'm still leading towards getting the Steam Deck. So I mean, it's early adopter slash hopefully one of the things will take off because I want more stuff, a lot more cool tech toys. Yeah, I don't really have any real reservations about supporting whatever new stuff 
Valve decides to put out because I think they are they're very thoughtful about what they do. It's not always going to work and they have a very engineering first mindset about a lot of things. Um I think of the Steam controller as this is a cool hardware experiment and it really didn't take off in practice. It was a neat idea and I can understand why they thought it was cool, but um the problem that I have with Valve in general is that while they're very into trying new things and experimenting and innovating, um they have no patience for maintenance. <laughs> uh I mean they've gotten a lot better recently with just the Steam UX. But it was almost 15 years since the last refresh. That is a hugely long time and there were issues that people were having with it like just friends list not working or the workshop being awkward and and difficult. Um hell just like a lot of their their deeper nested settings menus just straight up stopped working because nobody was willing to own that and be the maintainer. They all want to be innovators. They want so to do the, the next thing. They're the Google thing. of the gaming industry. They kill products. Well, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily that bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, they'll still try things, and they will support them as long as it makes sense, which is longer than I think Google will. Uh, so they have a, ho- a higher tolerance for letting their experiments reach their natural conclusion versus just cutting it off because oh, this is a money loser and we can see it's not going to ever be the billion dollar thing that we hoped it would, so just cut our losses early and be done with it. They don't really do that as much. Um, I'm just... I, I have this sense and I have this this UX problem with Steam in general <laughs> that they just don't want to invest in iterative, iterative improvements on the stuff that they've already got. They don't want to fix bugs all day. And I can understand the sentiment. They'd rather build new things. Totally get it. But they're also... A, they're not a startup, right? Like, this is a mature... Well, depending <laughs> on how you define mature, I wouldn't ever call gabe the most mature business person but uh you know it's it's for all intents and purposes a mature software company and they just don't want to fix things (laughs) so so like uh I'm I'm gonna assume that this is you with your like developer slash knowing how the tech industry works type thing Um, yeah but like they're still printing money, so it must not be that much of a problem because it's not stopping people from giving yeah, them more no, money. No, absolutely. So, it, there's, it's an issue of, of incentive, right? Like, if they can make money hand over fist doing whatever the, whatever the hell they want, then just, yeah, of course they're going to do the fun stuff. Totally understandable. I get why they are the way they are. I am annoyed by that. <laughs> I yeah, wish cause, cause I, I think... wish they could be punished just a little bit more for letting well, their experience be that bad for that long, but nobody's going to. So well, and, and that's that's really the funny part, right? Because like how many um other studios have tried to kind of like emulate Steam 
And uh, which one of it, like, I think, like, they announced, like, a, within, like, a week or so or two weeks that they are, like, stopping their own, like, Bethesda. game market. Yeah. Yeah, we actually just, just talked about that last cast and for the news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just throwing in, like, it, but it seems like it's, Steam is, like, relatively easy. It's just, like, shopping carts for video games and the rights management and downloading stuff. Like, it doesn't oh, seem that could be that licensing hard. licensing and gifting and integration with Steam Workshop and friends lists and chat. Oh, no, no, they're... And integration points just for doing multiplayer matchmaking. Uh, Back for Blood uses that. Orcs Must Die use that. Oh, Steam is an amazing platform. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about last time, there are financial reasons that some large enough companies want to make their own platforms. I work for one, obviously. But it is very difficult to extend that platform to bring on third parties. And Steam has not only done that, but they've been... If not the pioneer, they are the superset of basically every single feature in an online store. It's yeah. insane. They're the AWS of gaming. <laughs> and that's got all the good things that come with that. You know, they were very much first in the space for what they do. Uh, they do, like you say, print money. But their shit's old, and there are old, rickety parts of it that do not get attention anymore. And the incentives for them to go back and take a look at some of those things, well, they're boring. And only a few people really care. And a few might be in the tens of thousands, but that's chump change oh, wait, in the are, are scope of all the of their users. Are you talking about the other things Valve does? Cause Basically I, everything they I do. Don't, I don't know if that's <laughs> accurate for the store. I mean, maybe I just don't know, but like, there, the you know, the Steam platform seems to be. Valve has a very small employer ba- employment base. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. they're like five hundred or less. So what they do is insane for that number of people. But yeah. I don't feel like the store is neglected. Like everything else you're saying is yes. I hate to admit it, true, but I don't feel that way about the platform. So the store recently got a reskin, and that's been progressing over the last about year or so that they've started to actually refresh the way that the store UX actually works. Um, but you still see their ancient fucking updater <laughs> and the basic premise of their whole application hasn't changed in 20 years. Like this is still a windows forms app. Oh yeah. No, uh, like I, 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 looking at it, I'm like, this is the exact same one that I used. Like when I was playing like TF, that's that's actually not true that's i was actually making this joke recently with some co-workers we were sharing screenshots of the old steam i get what you're saying it has some truth but no they've reskinned it multiple times they have it's been a while since the last one (laughs) fair the um the other one that's easier to point to is their mobile app i've never used it is garbage has been garbage has not ever seen an update (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's barely useful and it's mostly just like, um, it's a web viewer, which was the cheapest way I think to get something into the mobile space. (laughs) But the big thing that it's used for is the authenticator and the authenticator is garbage. Like it's just straight garbage. It sometimes just straight up fails to load and then you're just kind of stuck and they could fix that by saying, oh, well, you know, Steam Guard, yeah, we can use uh, pretty much any authenticator, any third-party authenticator should just be fine for, uh, you know, multi-factor auth. 
but they don't. You have to use Steam Guard, and it is terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm definitely going to rename this quest to How Awesome How Awesome is Steam as opposed to Valve, because clearly we focused on one over the other. Um, well, I think I, I hate to be the guy in this one, but I, we haven't talked about VR. Let's not get too much into it, but I think they've done some pretty kick-ass stuff there, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, 100%. But it's the it's the shiny cool thing, right? And there are still rough edges even in that experience. Just like there will be rough edges in the Steam Deck, and there are still rough edges in Steam itself. Like they're very very into building the next cool thing, and just not super into polishing what they build. I That's not to say that can't they can't deny there's an element of truth to that. But I I wonder if again when they connect with the ball. They seem to stick with it for a while, hence the store, right? Um, hence the Half-Life franchise. I hope that if they connect and they hit a Grand Slam with the Steam Deck, that they will focus on it. I hope. We'll see. I think so. Like, it's got the potential to be interesting to their engineers for a good long while. The same was true for their VR stuff. Like, they're still putting out hardware and software for vr that is getting better all the time and part of that is because they have new things to build in that space constantly and i think that'll be true of the steam deck for at least a good while um you know if they look at steam os and say this is cool but what if we fundamentally tweaked the operating system in some way and that has cascading effects down the road they might say yes that's totally worth it and while we're at it just fucking write it from the ground up i can absolutely see them doing that uh and it would be fun and they would do it because it's fun well are there any other steam things that that haven't been on our like radar that we haven't talked about Slash valve, actually. Uh, I mean, I was trying to think the, the Steam boxes. Oh, I mean, well, the, okay, portal, the boxes, portals the coming links. to the Switch. One yeah. and two. Okay. <laughs> Rolls like, no, I'm not talking about Nintendo again, you son of a bitch. No, no, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about it, but I'm also like, I, I'd rather get new portal games no, I, than. I, again, I think they only have like 500 people at the company. They can only do so much. The fact that they're doing this with the, the Steam Deck is amazing. Yeah. Yes, I mean, contractors, I know. I, I'm not 100% sure how on board I am with them only being a 500-man company. Like, they Gabe, make a Gabe shit hates bureaucracy. He, he, he likes flat orgs. Um, this is all yeah. Gabe's choice. Everything is Gabe's choice. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And honestly, 500 is probably the upper limit of the size of an organization where flat as a structure works. Um, it's just they have so much going on. <laughs> and they have all the money in the world. There's no reason why they could not get somebody to focus on the weird little things that they just kind of leave on the cutting room floor. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> somebody's got to sweep this shit up. Nobody wants to. Like, everybody's a rock star, so nobody's playing bass. But it kind of, you notice that it's missing. Well, anything else to add before we move on to news? No, not really. I'm still really excited about the Steam Deck. I think even with the weird issues. Oh, I didn't tell you guys. Did you see anything about the um, the uh, the performance specs on I mean, the Steam Deck? I know the performance of games has been good. Uh, I think uh, 
Digital Foundry did a whole video on it, and I watched that. Why? What are you referring to? So one of the things that they have just kind of as a native part of the Steam Deck for anything that you're running, you can overlay with hardware stats, like enthusiast-level detailed yeah. hardware stats. Yeah. That shit is real fucking cool. <laughs> and it plays back into that, here's a minimum viable target, and here's the tools to evaluate your performance on it. Um, I love that stuff. So that's that's really cool. I'm looking forward to that. It's like, it's your thermal diode. I assume you want the data that comes out of it. Ruli, anything to close us out on? I think I'm good. I think we lost Ruli. Okay. Oh, do you hear me now? Oh, now, no? now we hear you. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Ruli, before we get in the news, we need to have a word from our sponsor. Ruli, who's our sponsor tonight? After these messages, we'll be right back. I, would, I have no idea, but you have one, don't you, Tom? Sponsored by Famicom. <laughs> uh shit that would be a good joke as a steam competitor since we've been sitting here and talking about valve come on what's what's ironic that you would talk about valve and then pimp something else i'm trying to think of a plumbing joke clamps i don't know <laughs> uh we're not sponsored by meta as a vr competitor we're not sponsored by nintendo because god i wish which would be a steam competitor oh god we're bad at jokes we're bad at jokes <laughs> we're workshopping it in the middle of it yeah Give me some runway. We plan, dear listener. We plan. Okay, fuck it. We're sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Let's uh, let's do the news. Go f*** yourself, San Diego. All right, gentlemen. I have a couple that I've been throwing in our Slack channel. Um, I put one there. Yeah, I, I want to start out with something a little sad. Um, so, Zane Nadella, the son of Microsoft's CEO, uh, Satya Nadella, has passed away at age 26, and that's because he was um, born with cere cerebral palsy. That is uh, heartbreaking to see anyone's child die that young. Uh, apparently, this is a reason that uh, Nadella had been such a big advocate for accessibility and UX that would allow people like his son to engage with you know, just computers and technology in general. Um, I think Nadella has done amazing work with Microsoft since he took over. How, how long ago now? Is it almost 10 years? Is it more? Um, and I don't just say it's... this because I might become a uh, Microsoft employee in the future. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's done amazing work and I feel absolutely terrible for him. That's absolutely devastating. Um, I have it nothing else to like add. It seems like it's been a while that he's been there. Yeah. The, the Bill Gates uh, jokes have been getting less and less prevalent. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. it. I just want to touch on it. It is it is sad. Uh, you know, I think it shows the importance of accessibility, which is, uh, let me be honest with you, very difficult to do sometimes in software. Um, but, you know, it can be worth it. It can be absolutely worth it. So, uh, gentlemen, what's a, what's a lighter note? A lighter headline? Um, uh, Joe DiMaggio. Raul, you, you posted John, that. John, not Joe. He's not a baseball player. Oh, did I say Joe? My bad. Yeah, John, John DiMaggio. He's back, baby. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess uh, they finally realized that, hey, you can't have the show without Bender, which I think is how, pretty fair. How much do you, I, I agree with that, how much do you want to bet it was all a publicity stunt? I don't know. I think it was probably a legitimate compensation negotiation. 
quite possibly, mm. but I mean, it's I'm probably even likely, but it's so easy to be cynical and say it was all well, a stunt. But, it, but I, th- I think so many people were upset about it to the point where I just kind of pushed it out of my mind where I'm thinking that it's just going to be a bad reboot rather than a possibly okay reboot. Yeah. Ah. But I mean, in your headline, hashtag Bendergate is officially over. That kind of speaks to, oh, yeah, no, we were just drumming up uh, publicity. Now we've got the whole gang back together. Hooray. Everybody feels like a winner. Yeah, I mean, we did, uh, ugh, we, we talked about this. And like, as much as I love Futurama, I'm actually not excited about them coming back. Um, as much as I'm saying I don't want them to come back, obviously, I think they couldn't if they didn't have the full cast. So I'm glad they got DiMaggio back. I just, eh. I mean, I'm still going to watch every episode they make. Probably. I'm just going to grumble while I do it. Old Damn Futurama it. was so much better than this bullshit. Is it going to be on Hulu, or what is it going to be on? Yeah, it's Hulu. New episodes on Hulu in 2023. Can, can we do a quick experiment hmm. for the news R- that I want to try? R- row. Okay. Um, what is the cost for a movie ticket for the Batman movie in your area? Ooh, I mean, twenty bucks. No idea. Um, how do you even buy movie tickets anymore? Fandango is <laughs> that a thing? Send a bolt of lightning, very, very frightening. The Batman. Let's HGTP. see. HTTP theaters. If I look at Saturday, ah, oh, the Batman. <laughs> I could buy tickets for the Batman IMAX for twenty-two fifty-five. Twenty-two fifty-five. Well, that's IMAX. the IMAX. Let me find uh, find a cheaper theater. Yeah, let's see what IMAX looks like. Uh, yeah, twenty-two oh three. Really? What? Uh, where are you oh. going with this? Um. Well, supposedly AMC movie theaters are actually charging more for Batman movie tickets than all the other movies playing right now. Um, it's supposed to be like I think anywhere between five to ten bucks more. Uh, um, weird. The, the, Which the is... less expensive theater is 16 so. Well, I mean, I'm just comparing IMAX, and there's a Regal uh, 7 o'clock showing on Saturday that is charging $22.03. The 720 at an AMC theater for IMAX is $21.30. It's actually cheaper. Yeah, so I'll just read a little bit. Of, uh, what is AMC Theaters CEO Adam Iran? I'm just going to go with Iran just because that's how I pronounce it now. Dropped a bombshell this week announcing the ex- exhibition change will charge more for tickets of the Batman as part of a variable pricing experiment. Um, variable okay. pricing. How can we fleece <laughs> you for as much money as possible? Well, hey, you know, movie theaters had it tough. What's what's the best way to welcome folks back into the, uh, to the cinema? Because... COVID's over, right? So let everyone come back by raising prices. So yep. it's it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it is more of an experiment than the direction that things are going. But it's it's one of those things where it's just like I don't I don't know if it's good or bad. We'll we'll kind of see. But yeah, more money is more money. Yeah, I mean I'm surprised that they're not just jacking up the price of popcorn. Yeah, you would think they would have just done that. It's already like 30 bucks for popcorn anyways. What's another $5 stack there? Come on. But anyways, I, th- I thought that was interesting. Well, Zach, we're going around the, cir- the, uh, the table here. What's what's your news headline? Um, Nothing good. Oh, God, we're so unprepared. 
Yeah. No, all of you my... You tell us to do our homework, Tom. <laughs> we have a format role. All of my... Oh, I'm sorry. All of my news is taken up by events of the day. But, yeah, um... Yeah. Okay, I'll, I got one for you, Zach. I got you backed up, bro. It's about Paramount Plus, so it's as close to com- coming, uh, talking about Star Trek <laughs> is going to come tonight. Uh, so the Halo series is coming to Paramount Plus, which means Paramount Plus is doubling down on science fiction, apparently. If it ain't sci-fi, they don't fucking want it. Um, the thing that's interesting, apparently, is they're going to do the Master Chief face reveal. They're going to take off that mother's helmet. Why? That sounds like a terrible idea. Exactly. That sounds like a terrible idea, right? Like, I don't even care about Halo. Doesn't that sound like a terrible idea? What do you I want? just always so assumed that he, yeah, I just always assumed that he was uh, fully cyborgified, like he's a Terminator underneath that helmet. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, I can sort of understand why they might think that's a good idea. <laughs> Things like, um, you know, having Henry Cavill be the face of the Witcher. Or Din Djarin taking off his helmet being such a, like, gut punch moment. Oh, I am um, I'm a huge fan of the online theory that he should take off his helmet and it's Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, man, I hope it's that. Paramount, do that and you will have my money to subscribe to your service for a year. But, um, yeah, no, I just... Yeah... So, so when you talk about being cynical and gimmicks and all that other stuff, um, how much do you think that it's going to turn into like one of these big, ridiculous controversies that, like, oh, Master Chief is a blank, and people are going to be mad about it? Guaranteed. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing that I'm like. It's going to be some like silly political stunt, or people interpret it that way, and then it's just going to be dumb. Be like, Master Chief is actually a, a chiefest or something. Like, it just, it's, it's a girl. Oh, hey, something. hey! If they pull a Samus Aran, I will also salute them and I will also give them my money. But no, I, you know, <laughs> I, I think that's just so secondary at best, like irrelevant to the conversation, right? Like, I, I get what you're talking about. I understand why people are cynical about that. I, I personally am not, but I, I get it. Um, but this is so. Look, why would you make a video game, you know, adaptation? movie, series, whatever, and then break the core rules of the game. Like, Master Chief is supposed to be an avatar for who's playing. So whatever ethnicity or gender, whatever you are, there's power armor. It doesn't matter. They are your avatar. And this guy's supposed to be badass. I say guys. I think it's male. But, like, supposed to be bad fucking ass. So why break that rule? It's like a cardinal fucking rule. Why break it? Well, this goes goes back to the question I always ask is, like, who is the audience? Who is this for? I think they already have a pretty well-established audience. It seems like this is more of the, like, how can they extend the Halo universe into other folks that don't play video games? Which makes me think is that what they're probably going to do. With, like, something, some ridiculous reveal. I just don't know. I also, to be fair, don't care, but, eh. I like watching train wrecks. They're entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time that Master Chief has been, quote-unquote, unmasked. Like, there are those, um... There are animated shorts, call them, series, things, whatever, um, that go into how Master Chief came to be. It's... If you don't know, government experiment 
abducting children, uh, turning them into super soldiers. So we've seen John Spartan 117 before he became a Spartan, before he became Master Chief. And he's a white male kid. Well, so. fuck. I just, I'm wrong. Well, I'm, Erase everything I said. Fuck me. I'm hoping it's just like a dog or something. Let's just let's just have something that everyone can agree on. Be like, oh, how cute. Yeah, but I, he's a dog named Indiana. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't think you're really wrong, Tom. And especially in the context of the games, he's never really revealed to be anything other than a faceless p- protagonist, which is useful because you can do what you said and sort of project yourself into that role. Um, I think that's part of why he's such a great character. And yeah, the backstory stuff, you can sort of say, eh, whatever, retcon it, whatever. He can still be whatever you want in your imagination. Um, and taking that away in this live-action, very highly publicized live-action, just doesn't seem super great. Like, just leave it alone. Um. I don't know the lore enough, but there's is there one Master Chief? Are there many? Are they going to go like the Spider-Man route and be like, you can be a Master Chief. Everyone is it. <laughs> there are multiple Spartans. Uh, but no, there's only one Master Chief. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'd honestly be super impressed if it turned out to be Idris Elba. Please? Please do it? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Again, then you'll have all the people yelling about, why is it woke? He was supposed to be white. And I'll be like, but Idris Elba's awesome. Shut up. Also, and Idris Elba's playing a uh, anthropomorphic echidna. You're not bitching about that. Shut up. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I have really enjoyed stuff like, um, oh, God, the only example that really springs to mind is Bridgerton. Have you guys seen Bridgerton? Nope. No. <laughs> it's entertaining. But um, like they're they're very like intentionally race blind in their casting and this is set in like Victorian Europe or Britain or wherever right it's um sort of a uh uh shit what's the name of that author uh damn it the pride and prejudice one yeah what's the author's name oh. uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue i can't remember anyway um, and you expect in a setting like that that it's just all going to be white Jane people, Austin. right? Yeah, Jane Austen, thank you. It's a very Jane Austen set kind of setting, and you expect in something like that it's going to be all white people, because why wouldn't it be? Um, but the queen is a black woman, and the uh, leading cast is very diverse, and they're very intentional about this is... We just have a cast, and yeah, they the actors might be different races, and that's totally fine and okay. Everybody's kind of on the same page about that. Um, yeah, just fuck it. Race blind, Master Chief. It's it's whatever. Or he's gonna be an AI. He's gonna be a robot. He's gonna be a yeah. He's gonna be a Terminator. I I love that plan. All right, gentlemen, who wants to wrap us up with the final headline of the night? Uh, Fitbits were calling a million Ionic smartwatches for burn risk. Oh, that sounds fun. Well, I'm glad I don't have one, question mark. I, I've always been pissed. Fitbit bought up the, uh, not Pixel, what was the name of that? Pebble. Pebble. Pebble, yeah, Pebble. Yeah, and yeah. I liked that. That was the first time I had a smartwatch that I liked. It was simple, yeah. the battery lasted forever, and it had an L-Cars skin, and I'm a fucking nerd. So <laughs> I was so happy, and then they bought it and killed it. And so I don't have a Fitbit. If someone could please yeah. make a smartwatch that is under $100, that's thin, that lasts for more than 24 hours on a charge, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we haven't made that in a decade. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as... It, 
call it a smart watch. Yeah, it's the the fitness smart watchy things. Um, like I I I got a Garmin a while back, mostly because it was the only smartwatch that I could take as a dive computer. So it kind of combined two devices for me and cost about half as much as buying them separately. Uh, but I've really liked it for all of the other things that it does, like heartbeat tracking, uh, pulse ox, um, all of the activity modes that it has. It has GPS and maps in the watch, which is kind of neat. Um, it's a very capable device. So I got uh, Callie a Garmin for her birthday, which was recently, and this was replacing her older Fitbit watch. And she's really enjoyed it for a lot of the same reasons I do. And the health stats that you can pull out of this thing that just has a shit ton of sensors in it is very, very appealing to us in particular. But um, yeah, I, I think Fitbit, when it was new was really cool and when they first came out with their watches they were uh you know a very recognizable brand for very good reasons and one of those reasons was their like warranty and return policy you can basically just call them up and say hey i bought this thing a year ago and it's not working anymore and they'd be like sure no questions asked send it to us we'll replace it with the same or whatever the next gen that they currently have out is and that was very very nice but They've continued to do that, and part of the reason they've continued to do that is because their shit keeps breaking. <laughs> so, double-edged sword. Yeah, no, and I think my parents have gone through, like, two or three in great return policy, but yeah. Um, I kind of wonder a little bit, it's like that mildly terrifying thing of, like, if you don't know what the product is, you might be the product, because they collect a lot of data, well, and since it is Google... Yeah. They collect a lot of data. I mean, I I have one. I'm not gonna deny that. They're they're cool little pieces of technology. I I've I don't. It makes me sad to see that I didn't walk at all on a day. But also, you know, I like the sleep tracking. I think mm. that's what I use it more for. To be like, why am I tired? Oh yeah, four <laughs> hours of sleep. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, because I slept like more. garbage and my heart rate was 300 beats yeah, per minute. Reason to like the pebble, it didn't do any of this shit. Yeah, I know. And I'm uh, sure like, that like you could probably year... find like a Casio smartwatch that maybe has notifications and that's it. Like a year or two ago, Tom, I tried to like start using it again and it's cool by itself, but like once it uses all the connectivity stuff, it's kind of just an e-paper watch, which is fine. I, I, I loved it. I, I think I supported both of the Kickstarters that they have. It, no, the, the pedal was an incredible device. Totally awesome. Sniffle. I miss it. Sniffle. Garmin has Elkar's watch faces by the way well okay i'm buying a garment fuck just saying <laughs> fuck well all right dear listener thank you so very much for joining us we'll be back next week to talk about i don't know really if you're out star trek if you're here star trek <laughs> i don't know zach we'll find we'll find a time we'll find we'll, a way we'll, we'll talk about it like the uh fourth season of discovery is wrapping up i think next week and the second season of picard just started today yesterday yeah. I wish I cared. I wish I cared. I did hear the first episode of season two for Picard is good. So, you know, I saw um, an article about John Delancey talking about reprising his role as Q. That was kind of cute. So, yeah. So, uh, slight spoiler. Apparently, he walks in and they they CGI'd him to look young, and he just looks at Picard <laughs> and goes, "Oh, 
I guess you've aged up more than I remember. Snaps his fingers and becomes the older John Delancey. I think that's fucking great. I'm gonna give the writers credit. That's fucking. I great. I love that for continuity, and I'm I'm looking forward to the episode. I think it'll be fun, but I kind of take it as any Star Trek is better than no Star Trek. So whether it's good or not, oh, I'm still going to enjoy it. I wish I could agree with that, but sorry, really, we're talking about Star Trek. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. All right, Zach, <laughs> Raul, thanks again, y'all. Yeah, Thank it's you, fun. All right, until next time, dear listener. QQ deck. Val, Val deck. I, these outros are hard. You know, it's going to be able to run pretty much whatever you want on it, especially if you flash it and install Windows. So, we so you're saying have... I can listen to a podcast or that I can record yeah. a podcast? We could do either or both. Oh, fuck yes. Straight out of the deck. Mm-hmm. Well, I know our sponsor for next week. <laughs> a roll's like, I am done fucking recording. I am exporting. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast should be taken in context and are representative solely of the person expressing them. They are not representative of their friends and family, their co-hosts, their co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. So again, thank you for joining us, and thanks for respecting our individuality. I just got bored. Everybody out.